High School Slumber Party is brought to you by the Cage Club Podcast Network. For all things Cage Club related, head on over to cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. Welcome, bank robbers, plucky teenagers, fans of the Fast and Furious franchise, and especially, especially all you Hamster fans out there. This is High School Slumber Party, the podcast where me and some friends look back at our teenage years through the lens of some iconic high school-centric films. I'm Brian Rodriguez, and the party's at my place this evening. But first, school is still in session, and we have some homework to chat about. This was your assignment and i would like to see the results of course as always hit that subscribe button wherever you're listening google Podcasts, apple Podcasts, spotify and stitcher while you're there leave us a five star rating or a positive review if applicable and remember the best way you could spread the love and magic of high school slumber party is by telling a friend about high school slumber party telling them about what we do here for the very low cost of zero dollars and zero cents and a big part of what we do here is my good friend, Mike Manzi. He was the host of last episode because he is my co-pilot here on our Corey Haim series part two. He's usually the part three man, so you know we'll talk about that next year. But part two, we covered a bunch of films last year. We're covering a bunch more this year. Last film we covered was what? I don't even know. We've done so many behind the scenes. What was it? Uh, oh, of course. Demolition High. What a crazy, crazy film. This one is nuts as well. And I mean that in a good way. And I'm telling you guys, this year's series is super fun. Fast Getaway was your homework to watch today. Rent it somewhere, but it's free in a lot of places. No excuse not to do it. Another thing that you have no excuse for is... Not following us on social media. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. I haven't been posting a lot lately because if you've been listening to the episodes, you'll know that I've been pretty busy. But I'll tell you what. I was also pretty busy in podcast land. We've been in the lab. It's going to get crazy. The Godfather himself, Joey Lewandowski, the person who runs this network, is going to get mad at me for the amount I'm going to catch up post. But if he's listening right now, I apologize. It's worth it, though. Stay tuned to the feed. We got a couple surprises in the next couple weeks. All I'm going to say. Whoa, whoa, whoa. The bell doesn't dismiss you. I dismiss you. Sit down. We've been covering high school films, teen films, for almost 300 episodes now. And you still haven't learned your damn lesson. You're seniors. You're not worried if you're going to graduate at all? What if you don't graduate and we have to do this podcast in perpetuity? It's a possibility. Discipline is key. And I hope you've applied for colleges at this point. Now, in the real world, if you have the desire to go to college, 
you probably applied and you already know you're getting in. But in the high school world, you don't know until prom night. <laughs> That's usually how it goes. And then you leave the next day. You know how it is. This is not that kind of film, Fast Getaway. It does, you know, star Corey Haim. And he does play a teenager. But, well, well, we'll get into it. Without further hesitation, pack your favorite jammies. Tell your mother Zoom at Brian's. Because we're about to get our party on. I'll leave you with... Let's see, is there a Fast Getaway soundtrack? There is, okay. So let's leave you with a song by a fella named Brooke McCarter, or it could be a lady. I haven't heard this song, but I'm going to play it anyway. And it's called I've Got This Feeling. Class dismissed. <laughs> I, I'm going off a of memory, baby. Well, that's kind of where we are in our two Corys year two. Off air, Mike, you and I were talking about like, oh, let's do some movies with both Corys or even let's mm-hmm. maybe do some Feldman movies. But there are not a lot of movies to talk about left. And there are a million more movies to talk about. <laughs> and, and this is what I mean by that. <laughs> there are a couple more to Corey's films, for sure. Some need to be verif- verified as teen films. Some are definitely not teen films. Mm-hmm. You would think they kind of aged out of it, which they did. But it seemed like only Feldman got the memo. <laughs> because That's a great... That's a, that's a- that's a very timely way of putting it back then, you know, like get the memo <laughs> because there were no texts like, or emails. I mean, we did the Lifetime movie last year with Joe, too, and it kind of talked about their, their careers and mm-hmm. how Corey Haim was, at least the movie depicted Corey Haim as falling a little bit more into like the drug thing uh, than Feldman. Who the hell knows, right? Because that was like Feldman's point of view. But right. what we do know is what we have in evidence and IMDb evidence is that Corey Haim just kept making these teen films, and Corey Feldman did not. So we're going to be talking a lot more Haim than Feldman. You know, I don't really care anymore. Let's just keep it going as long as we can with whichever one is is around that's still making movies. But I also wanted to posit this to you because I do want to see them together again. I do want to watch more movies with both of them. So... I mean, we've made exceptions before in the past for, you know, certain situations. I say as long as there are teenagers in the movie, I don't think they have to be playing the teenagers. I think No, we're so, oh, I agree. I agree. Yeah, yeah. I think we're so far along now that if whatever that National Lampoon's movie that they end up running their uncle's island is, like as long as there's kids in that movie, I'm willing to watch it. I mean, 
like we're kind of over the edge now anyway, Brian. Like, let's, just, <laughs> let's just watch everything they've ever been in. I've never broken that one rule of going up, right? Like, Because then mm-hmm. that opens the door to college films. I can go down a little bit. We went down a little bit with Stand By Me, you know, in terms of age. Yeah. I'm, I'm weary of going up. But you're so right, Mike. If we can find a teenager in the film, I'll count it. So I still need to do some research yeah off air i told you just to watch dream a little dream 2 um we'll, we'll talk about that at some point but I, I i didn't finish it yeah i i didn't have i didn't have the opportunity but from what i can gleam i've seen the jetsons episode i've seen the twilight zone episode i'm pretty sure i know this movie but i'm, I'm gonna watch it anyway soon <laughs> yeah and we'll talk about that in some capacity uh so if you're wondering like oh are you just gonna give up on these two quarries no and i'm willing to sort of do like mini kind of episodes and breakdowns regarding important works in the two quarries well, lives that's a good way to go that's a good way to do it is like you know we'll watch uh, whatever movie we you know meatballs for and Lost Boys 2, right? Like, and, and we'll do like one episode about both movies and just that kind of thing or something. Either way, we'll figure something out to continue this legacy. Um, like I said, it's going to go into next year as well. But we're going to have, I think, Corey, at least this year and next year for Corey years. But today we are talking 1991's Fast Getaway. Uh, Mike, introduce yourself just for the formalities and let's get into it. Definitely. Mike Manzi, RHS, class of 97, go Maroons. Now, uh, had you seen this one before, Fast Getaway? So, I had seen this, yes. Um, probably not since, like, 1992 or 1993. Wow. This, this used to be on HBO a lot when I was, uh, I, was I guess it was in junior high at the time. But I remember watching this movie a lot. That's not to say I love it, you know? I mean, it, it was just on a lot. I caught it a lot, and... I remembered almost, almost every single thing about this movie. It was really weird. It was one of those weird things where like you're young and you watch something and it just leaves like, um, like some kind of mark on you. And then when you're older, you're like, uh, yeah, I could probably, you know, be in this movie at this point. Like I know it so well for whatever reason, not that I want to, but I just know this movie so well for some reason. Did you know it was this movie when I like sent you the link? Like, oh, we're going to talk about this one. Or was it something? Okay, so yeah, yeah, yeah. I recognized the title. I recognized, uh, you know, Cynthia Rothrock. I think that's why originally I sought it out because around that time I was probably getting into Jackie, Jackie Chan, you know, and and she was in Mortal Kombat, or at least like she was sort of immortalized as Sonya Blade. I think was her name. In the character was designed after her. Really? I didn't realize yeah. that. So when we found that out as kids, we started renting all of her action movies and things. And so she's um, she's a big martial arts star from like the 80s and 90s. And uh, I knew her. And then, you know, imagine my disappointment. <laughs> she's barely in the movie, but we'll, we'll talk about it. Yeah, we'll definitely talk about her. I did a little research on her. I was hoping you were familiar with her, so that's great. Because <laughs> uh, I wasn't. Um, but And th- this film, Fast Getaway, I'd never heard of. Like a lot of these Corey films. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he, but if you were like me and were not aware of this film, here's the summary from the back of the VHS. Corey Haim is Nelson Potter, the fastest, smoothest, 
craftiest kid to steal the scene since Ferris Bueller. Whoa. Whoa. That's high praise. <laughs> At 16 years old, again, Corey Haim still playing 16. <laughs> In 1991. It's 1991, but it. it's Love been, it. you know, since I think 85 now that he's been playing. <laughs> that he's been playing 16, but... At 16 years old, Nelson has it made. No school, no homework, no authority. His days are spent masterminding ingenious bank robberies that he pulls off with help from his dad, Sam. From town to town and job to job, Nelson has a plan for everything. But his talent for making a fast getaway is put to the ultimate test when he and his dad hit the wrong bank in the wrong town. Now... The only thing harder than getting his dad out of jail is getting them out of town alive. It's not really what the movie is about, but... uh, (laughs) Oh, oh, wait, a little bit more. Loaded with spectacular stunts and plenty of laughs, Fast Getaway moves at high speed towards an explosive climactic chase sequence. I mean, they're not lying about the stunts. They're not lying about the stunts. I would holy shit. I would argue that it is not moving at a climactic speed to the end. You know, nope. I mean, this is this is eighty five minutes long, and it's like seventy percent. I'll say sixty percent. Just like father son talking in the car. You know what I mean? (laughs) With with crazy ass stunts. Yeah, shot within like a. I don't know, 12 mile radius, <laughs> this entire movie. <laughs> like, it just seemed like they kept going back to the same town and calling it a different town. <laughs> Which they did. It was just Park City, Utah. They just shot Amazing. it around Park City, Utah. So, Mike, did you read about this director at all? Because I hope you didn't, because I want to blow your mind. But if you did, just admit it to me. No, I did not. I don't know why I don't do that more often. Like, no, don't, don't. I know, but I'm just saying, like, in the past, like, not for shows and stuff, I still do that because I, watch, I come across a movie like this on my own. I need to know what else this guy's made, you know? Like, is he a stunt, a former stuntman? Is, is he a comedian? What's up with this guy? So, so this blew my mind. Spiro Razatos is the dude's name. Now, no Wikipedia page. I couldn't find other movies done by him as a director, but he happens to be one of the top stunt coordinators right now in Hollywood. Wow, there you go. Listen to this, Mike. This is going to blow your mind. He did Venom as the head stunt coordinator. Whoa. He did Captain America Civil War as the uh, head stunt coordinator. And get ready Whoa. get ready for this. Fast Nection. He did Fast and Furious 6, 7, 8, and 9 as the Holy head stunt shit. coordinator. Can you believe get that? the fuck out of here <laughs> i was like what there there are at least two amazing stunts one so incredible it's worth watching this entire movie for <laughs> i'm watching this movie going like i've never seen this before in my life like what kind of insane person thinks of this how did they pull this off now i know it's an insane genius stunt coordinating guy who uh wow yeah, that makes so much sense. That's insane. I don't know much about this guy. I don't know what his journey was, how he goes from directing a straight-to-VHS Corey Haim film to being a lead stunt coordinator today. 
But I mean, he, it looks like he's worked his way up. I mean, he's been working. Yeah, I yes. Think. It's like you know the early early nineties, late eighties. So yes, but uh, usually in the implication of working your way up, quote unquote, is like, oh, the director is the best you can do. But this is just proof that sometimes that is not the case, right? No, like, no. The, the, dude, this this is a this is a uh, buzz reel, isn't that what they what do they call it? Like a uh, yeah, yeah. You know, it's his it's part of his reel. Like, that's what this is. He got the opportunity to probably, you know, do whatever he wanted. Okay. Within a, within a budget, of course. But like, this feels like a free reign kind of, you know, call in Cynthia Rothrock. She's a stunt performer. Call in some friends and favors and things. That's how it feels. And if I was a director, even today, if I was, if I was lucky enough to be one of the Russo brothers and I saw this movie with this stunt from the bridge in it i'd hire the guy i'd hire him just uh, off of that i'll blame myself a little bit for just like dismissing a lot of these straight to vhs Corey haim films but i wish i did this research ahead of time so we could have invited uh joey and joe too on and you know i'm sure they would maybe oh, maybe oh. a Patreon, they would have had this episode. So they would have had it on the- well, it opens the opportunity for more laps with them as far as getting into the behind the scenes people's. You know, I know they like they'll do the director's other works and stuff, but now it's like, yeah, the stunt coordinator's other movies. Like, check out two or three of those guys. I mean, booking a Joey Lewandowski is like booking the Pope. So we we know that <laughs> might not happen, but I'm pretty sure we could have booked Joe too for this because Mike, you're so right. Like, and I'm not saying this is a good movie or like I really really enjoyed it. Like. We'll talk about it, but in terms of like seeds of stuff we see in the Fastiverse, they're here, and that's so wild to me. It is. It is like you know downhill slope kind of chase at one point, and uh, hanging off the back with the chain link fence. That is so Dom Toretto. I can't even believe it. You know, like uh, yeah, I agree. There are there are those sort of seeds of the future planted way back. Yeah, and again, if you love the Fast and Furious series, like love, and again, obviously those guys do, but I know a lot of their listeners do as well, especially if you love it for the action, and you just want to, like, see... How can I put it? You know how Tarantino will occasionally throw in these wacky movies he enjoys that he puts into his films that maybe, like... You know, if you yeah. find an obscure one, like... Uh, well, he didn't direct it, but, like, Free Jack was playing in True Romance at one point, and I bet it was in the script, you know? Like, mm-hmm. Lance is blazed out on the couch watching Free Jack with, you know, Emilio Estevez, Mick Jagger. So I'm reading a book on the Wu-Tang Clan, and nice. those guys, like, you know, I mean, splicing in so much shit in their albums from uh, not just kung fu films, but black exploitation films, right? Like, at its origins... Of the shit that they watched growing up and how it's influencing their own hip-hop. Like, this is a direct link to Fast and Furious. You and I might have be, be the only people to ever talk about this link ever. And I feel really good about that. <laughs> yeah, it, that is making me very giddy right now. It even has Fast in the fucking title. Like, <laughs> Fast Getaway. You know, like this guy, his whole career is now, it's all about speed and crashing cars and and that kind of thing. Like, this is sort of a proto- I'm not saying it's like a proto Fast and Furious thing, but like over. So I was just over on their show on Too Fast, Too Forever, and um, we were doing the three Transporter movies across our two podcasts. So you could hear the first Transporter now 
and the second one on their Patreon, and then the third one's coming out on my show soon. And there are so many moments that are straight up just jacked and put into Fast and Furious movies, but done properly. Like the idea is in the transporter, but the execution is off. And they, it's as if someone watched the transporter movies while they were writing new Fast and Furious films and was like, I'll take Jason Statham. I'll take that trick. I'll take that idea. I'll take this over here. And everything just eventually made it into a Fast and Furious movie, like five, 10 years down the line. This is in that same sort of boat, only like even earlier which is crazy. So like, who knows if, if like the writer of the first Fast and Furious movie was like watching every car movie with Fast in the title and like came across <laughs> this and like cherry picked something of, from this somewhere. Corey Haim reminds me almost of Jesse from the first Fast and Furious <laughs> movie. Like that's what I, my head was going. I was like, oh, same attitude, same kind of mannerisms, all that. I was going to say, this is so sacrilege. What I'm about to say, but I'll say it anyway. Do it. Do it. He kind of also reminds me a little bit of Paul Walker. And I was thinking, like, Mm. if Corey Haim doesn't go the route he goes, I could see a natural transition for him to be in action movies. And not not Arnold style action movies, to be (laughs) clear, but like, you know, Paul Walker esque style stuff. Why not? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, I think he's really good actor Corey Haim like I love him in this I I mean I I have some notes about his performance of course in his character but the energy and the enthusiasm and the attitude is like perfect for this role right like he is spot on for this role and you can tell he's loving this I think that goes a a long way and I I don't think you're that far off base you know with with the Paul Walker stuff I I don't know I mean the only difference I would see is like Paul Walker to me is always sort of more was the like more of the straight man and I don't know if Corey Haim I always feel like Feldman was his straight man so maybe but yeah I could see it though before we talk cast and and just stuff in the movie I want to go back to one thing you mentioned that I keep thinking about as we talk here I forgot what you called it what real something real you said Oh, I think I called it like a buzz reel or... Buzz reel, but I think the term is sizzle reel as well. That's it. Yeah, right? sizzle reel. I mean, couldn't, couldn't think of it. And I'm totally inventing the production notes and history of this, this film because there isn't a lot online. Yes. But it does seem like maybe this guy did a lot of stunt shit, like always dreamed of doing these particular stunts and really built the movie around these stunts. Um, because when I think of the film... There's a lot that just, like, doesn't make sense or I don't care about. <laughs> I fell asleep during one portion of no. it. Yeah. But the yeah. stunts are so good compared to, like, everything else Yeah, that it's, like, it's weird thinking back about it. But you're so right. It reminds me of, like, actors I know, like, especially, you know, uh, actors in their 20s when I was in my 20s. And they would write things that would just showcase their acting. And they would show me because, you know, I, I was into writing and they would show me, like, these scripts they wrote and there was almost no substance except for their parts. Does that make sense? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. This feels like that. This feels like exactly what you're saying. And I'm just piecing it together now. Yeah. The guy's like, I'm fucking good at stunts. Mm -hmm. No, maybe no one believed him at the time. Let me just do a movie and whatever's around it is around it. But you're going to see some badass stunts. And that's what we have here. I think you're so right. And like that even came up on the Transporter series as well, where my first issue was I love the action, but the stuff in between is just confusing. And like, I don't understand it. And 
where where are these motivations coming from and who are these characters and it's very similar with this movie like you could totally tell if if you know what we know now it's obvious that yes he wrote all these big action set pieces and he needed to find a way to stitch them together and i think he did an admirable job because there is kind of like a nice setup and payoff with this movie with, with the family kind of reuniting and all that. And the mom being a dem mom's a demolition derby driver. Come on. <laughs> like, like there's some nice kind of things going, but it's very milk toast. It's so rote. It's like, you know, this is so just obvious and bland, but again, it doesn't matter because it's completely serviceable because what he does in between all the stunts are bank robberies. <laughs> like it's like bank robbery, talking in the car about the next bank robbery, big stunt sequence, bank robbery, talking in the car about another bank robbery, big stunt sequence. Yep. He goes at least half a mile to try and develop their relationship as father and son, even though like call, call Dyfus immediately, like <laughs> people go like directly to child services with this thing, like stole his son at four years old. And anyway, like he does try to do like that fatherly son, like advice kind of stuff even though it, it kind of trips over itself too much. But I give him a lot of credit for the stuff he tried to put in between. He tried to have it fit, right? Some movies don't even give a shit what they put in between their action Good sequences. Point. As long as they get from A to B, it's like, whatever. But at least here he's like, no, you know, this is sort of like a nice, mild-mannered, almost family film. Baby's first stunt movie? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mike, I'm going to do a callback a little bit to your show, uh, Third Time's a Charm. I recently, or I guess it was recently, guested on your uh, Spider-Man the Dragon's Challenge episode. Yeah. So this kind of reminded me of like an hour-long episode of that or the Hulk or the A-Team, right? But with much better stunts. Like interesting. That's how kind of those episodes would go, right? Like you'd have like long just talking, 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 and then they would build to something, right? They would yes. build to the to the big moment. And often though in those eighties and seventies TV shows, the big moment was a couple chops here and there, you know what I mean? Like it wasn't yeah, that yeah. I don't necessarily mean it as a negative, but a lot of the in between stuff was a little bit formulaic to me. Yeah. It reminded me of episodes of shows like that with like, wait, did they just fucking jump off a bridge? <laughs> like, like, like moments like that. Like, so this is a, a wacky movie in a sense. Like it's not wacky to like, oh my God, let's put it on at a party. Mm -hmm. It's just like, it's fascinating for guys like you and me who watch a lot of films because you don't see a lot of films like this. Not anymore. You know, I just haven't had the time to kind of discover things like this on my own recently. And when I do, I'm more or less like combing the sci-fi bin for weird, like kind of disgusting, like perverted things, I guess, like I haven't seen before from the 70s and 80s. But like, I really got to shift my gears and pay more attention if, you know, if Corey Club or whatever the hell we're calling this has taught me anything, it's like, get back in touch with that direct-to-DVD, that first wave of, like, straight-to-DVD action stuff. Like, the same way people were cutting their teeth on horror, you got guys doing it with action. And I'm sure there's just some incredible stunts buried within, like, you know, the most droll minutiae ever <laughs> that existed. But that's the challenge. You got to dig to get the great samples. You know what, Mike? That's such an interesting take because you have horror guys, you know, who just 
eat up everything horror. And that I feel like that still exists. I feel like that's rocking and rolling as hard as ever. Mm-hmm. And sci-fi, sci-fi and horror have merged a little bit. But, yeah, you know, you have sci-fi people and they love that crap. Uh, sorry, crap sounds negative. I, meant, I just meant stuff. <laughs> Schlock. Schlock. <laughs> but there was, for a while, the action guy, right? Like, yes, the die diehards of the world are like the better stuff. But I remember going to the video, video store and there was, even though I said this is different and unique, there was a lot of this. There was a lot of just action movies that people would just buy things for the stunts. Is Fast and yeah. Furious the only active series that's like that now? I mean, there, there's like foreign um, shit. There's like the raid and stuff. I know they're making a new yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. It's hard to say. Like, I would almost wager that like Marvel films try to do mm. that as well, right? Like, they're good all point. About good point. Big action set pieces, and then you know, how can we link this together with clever ideas and and things? But it's weird, Brian, because like I was. I was there at the time, but we weren't digging deep. You know, we loved our Seagal. We loved our Van Damme. But like, exactly. Me- oh, thank you for bringing them up. Because like people fuck with them. Oh, Van Damme's in this. I don't care about the plot. L- let me rent this movie. Yeah. But it took us a while to find guys like Jeff Speakman. And, you know, uh, that, that sort of tier right below everybody, mm. you know, that was doing their thing. So even as as deep in into into it as i was you know as a teenager when i was watching this movie on hbo this movie didn't make me go to the video store and see what else this guy directed or any of that kind of stuff i i was going back to see if van damme could jump off a bridge or, or something like that you know so it's tough it's tough with so much stuff but it's nice to be around now and having the resources out there to be able to track some of this stuff down, you know, and be able to see it again or for the first time. By the way, this is on Prime. So if you have Amazon Prime, you can just watch it. Uh, if you didn't do your homework, just watch it there. Let's talk the cast quickly. We've mentioned mm-hmm. we've mentioned most of the people, but Corey Haim is Nelson Potter. He's supposed to be a savant of, like, bank mm-hmm. robbing strategy. Yeah, it's the only school he knows. But he has the same strategy every time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the hostage. Let's rob this bank. So they have like one, they have like, like that, that is their gimmick is like, I'm going to, it's so fucked so up. So he's not like, really a savant though, is my point, but continue. No. Yes, he's not at all because every time he goes in to pretend to make a deposit and his dad comes in and takes him hostage every time. So yeah, I never, I didn't pick up that necessarily. I picked up more like, you know, he is street smart. He's got like all the angles, you know, like he would even be good at three card Monty or something like that. But they have that mo- those moments in their getaways where they're like, plan A, dad. And then he's like, no, let's do plan C or something like that. <laughs> we never really get the details of those plans. It just results in them getting away. Yeah, it, it's fast. <laughs> good. It's it's weird. In a sense, it's weird because it's again, I don't think a lot was paid attention to, like... It's an M.O. Like, you don't want an M.O. Like, it, it's like in Point Break. Like, the only reason... They they hit, like, four or five banks, and then they're gone, right? Like, these guys are literally going from town to town, and it's like the father-son bandits kind of thing. And there's a moment where they steal a car, and he gives the girl, like, a 100 bucks because they can't find the ticket. And he says to her, to the dad, like, I wanted her, I didn't want her to forget me. And it's like, no, dude, you don't want want anybody to remember your face. He's like, she'll never forget me. And I'm like, bro, 
I think he's kind of a dummy. <laughs> I, I agree. I agree. Um, and, and just on that note, in case I forget to mention it, the tone of this film can be confusing at times because, yes, it's action, but they try to throw in a lot of comedy. They keep it mm-hmm. light. Like, you know, they're, they're, there's, like, guns and stuff, but you're not seeing, like, people get, like, killed and, like, shot in the right. head. Like, you know what I mean? It's not nothing like that. <laughs> Which would have been incredible. <laughs> if, this, if this was just gored wall to wall. <laughs> I know we get it, like, a little bit, especially later, but um, I would love a Corey Haim gore action comedy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, um... There's a lot of elements of a Western in this as well. Mm-hmm. The score, which I'm not a fan of, to be honest with you. Yeah, it's like a MIDI score, like the uh, the electronic, like, computer tones. You it, know, it, it, it reminds me. Yeah, exactly, Mike. It, reminds, it, sound, it sounds free. <laughs> it reminds me of, you know, when I was a kid on, like, DOS or, like, Windows 95. Yeah, like, yeah. like, you would go to a store... And get a computer game, and it was a crapshoot whether that game would work or not. You know, like sometimes you couldn't install. Like I remember as a kid having to install things, and I'm sure you did as well, where you had to like type shit in. Do you remember that? Like C backslash backslash and C prompt. Yes, yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, you would get this game, and there were westerns in that genre, and the western like CD-ROM games or even disc games, would have this same soundtrack, right? It was like right, right. <laughs> it was like a guy playing the electronic organ as if he was in a saloon. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, and I remember even in the early days of maybe not even the – I don't know where. Maybe just in the in electronic music, like you, you would hear like these versions of popular music almost in the same way as Muzak was recorded for – grocery stores you know how they would sort of like slow down and swank out like every popular tune like you would they would do that with this too and you'd get like the free like like fake horn sounding version with some guy just like uploaded or something (laughs) yeah so i just wanted to bring that up because like there is a western element of like bonnie and clyde sort of like going from town to town yeah yeah the whole whole gimmick with the cowboy hat there's a whole there's a whole bit of business with that you know there's a whole two scenes involved with the hat did you know did you recognize the father i did but i can't fucking place this guy from anything this guy's got so many credits i recognize him as well what a legendary mullet i thought he was like (laughs) western or southern he's from new jersey (laughs) oh jersey strong represent (laughs) yeah he's got he's got one of those faces that just looks so familiar he's he's in a ton of stuff yeah i've seen a lot of these like river river's edge for example i know you guys covered that piano club years ago maniac cops and wow the original halloween 2 wow he's apparently most famous for the accused that jodie foster Mm. film oh wow the pinball movie right pinball machine he that that movie is that a, a pinball? I know she was nominated for that. That's all I know. No, that, that's the that's the scene. I think. Oh, 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 yes, yes, Is that, yes. that movie. Yes, I, I believe that. you're right. But yeah, I mean, the dude has a huge IMDb list. Like so much. This guy, I think, has everybody else's charisma in the movie. Aside from Corey, like he is just so like 
happy and like I'm on his side immediately, even though he's a horrible father and a terrible bank <laughs> But like he's so easy to like. You know, I don't know how else to really put it. You just look at the guy and he just like makes me smile. This weird effect, you know, but I can't really explain it further than that. The only thing I'll say about, and it's not his fault or Corey's fault, but they had weird accent play between them, <laughs> you know? Oh, well, well, Corey's got no accent. He keeps and, changing and, his and, accent. I don't know if he's kidding or not. <laughs> you know? And then, And then his dad definitely trying to pull off some kind of Texas thing, I think. But if it's his dad and he spent ninety percent of his time with him, wouldn't Corey have a similar accent? And instead, well, he's, he's going between like, like, yeah, the usual Corey Ham accent to sometimes like a New York accent. Just like I don't know. How in the movie we find out that his dad took him at the age of four, and they've been on the run ever since. So I could see his dad losing his accent before Corey establishing one you know at this point in their lives i just feel like he's never had a place to settle long enough that's why his accent keeps changing because he's like i've lived in new york for a couple months (laughs) fair fair on the other side of the country for a few months so joe too i know you're not listening but uh if you were uh, you don't know that oh i know Uh, (laughs) (laughs) but if you were i would tell you that this guy was in what is considered the greatest Lifetime movie of all time, or at least top five. Whoa. Casualties of Love, the Long Island Lolita story. <gasps> Amy Fisher, did he play Botafuco? He was Bobby Botafuco. Oh, the brother Bobo. Oh, so he was. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even get it out. Bobby Botafuco, the brother? Brother Bobby Botafuco? <laughs> I guess. <laughs> That's amazing, brother Botafuco. <laughs> Ken Lerner play, <laughs> plays just this I don't know what do you want to make of this guy? So okay, there's there's like a team originally of four people, four bank robbers who ends up sep- separating. Um Corey Haim, Leo Rossi, the dude we just mentioned, who's the dad, Ken Lerner, which is just another dude, and we'll get to Cynthia Rothrock in a second, but had you seen Ken Lerner in anything? I mean, again, like very much like Leo Rossi recognized this guy, but could not tell you until right now because i'm strolling through his credits like a single thing like i could just not pinpoint a a performance i just knew him as a great character actor yeah i've seen him in a time especially tv like he was in an episode of friends his episode of scrubs you know what i mean yeah i think he was in an episode of like just about everything from happy days until now you you want to know something funny and we'll talk about it later apparently there's a sequel to this he reprises his role in the sequel. Which is That's insane. Which is funny. Why? We'll get there. Oh, oh. See, like, we got to watch that and the sequel to last week's movie. Whatever we watched last week had a sequel. Remember Demolition Boy or something? Oh, yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> I don't know. I don't understand the 90s VHS market. I'll have to, like, uh, stop our good friend Larson's and discuss it with him. Yeah, me. Larson needs to write a book, man. Like, <laughs> Help us out. Cynthia Rothrock. Okay, we mentioned her a little. You said you were familiar with her. So yes. fascinated by this person because, like, she's in this movie doing karate and kicking ass. She's the heavy in the film. Yeah. What okay. more do you know about her? I mean, uh, uh, it's been a while, okay, but have seen, like, lots of her stuff, like, recommended. Like, she was in legit 
like Chinese Kung Fu films too, like the Jackie Chan type shit as well, you know, before she got like this sort of VHS kind of work in America and stuff. But like her biggest hit might be a film called China O'Brien from 1988, (laughs) which like really put her on the map. I know maybe not the best name, but like (laughs) things like Martial Law, Yes, Madam, Lady Dragon, Tiger Claw, Sworn to Justice, those types of titles, but like mostly just this, you know, ass kicking force of nature, undefeatable. Yeah. So, I mean, generally it was, it's a little weird because Americans would lots of times be sort of the bad guy in a lot of those Chinese Kung Fu action movies and stuff. So I think in some of them, she actually does play the heavy and in some of them she's the hero. So kind of ran the gambit back and forth between a lot of that stuff, but sort of like the, um, you know, I would think of like Zoe Bell, the stunt actress Zoe Bell from like the Tarantino films and so much more. Like if she knew like martial arts and stuff, I feel like this would she'd be like the second coming. You know what I'm saying? Because like Cynthia Rothrock also did a lot of stunts and stunt work and doubles and things like that, too. So it's it, it's been a while, but this definitely I was glad I watched this to remind me to sort of get back into watching more of her older work. So the Sonya Blade thing blew my mind. That's super cool. There was two other facts that I read about her that like was also awesome to me. I remember kind of a comedy of karate and martial arts today is like the idea of a demo team, which is like, you know, the uh, instructor takes his best students and you go to malls and like the 80s or whatever. And like you, you <laughs> demo this shit, right? Yeah, yeah. So she was on Ernie Reyes's demo team. Oh, wow. Which he's. He's badass. Oh, Ernie Reyes is awesome. I mean, Ernie Reyes, legend. You know, like, just thinking of her, like, learning under Ernie Reyes and probably with Ernie Reyes Jr. Oh, insane. Is so cool, right? We gotta... I I don't know how we're gonna do it. This might be years from now, but we have to have, like, a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles month, like... Dude, they're fucking teenagers. Of course we do. It's it's in the goddamn title. It is in the title. It is in the title. I don't know. Regardless, regardless. That Splinter is the ultimate teacher, bro. He is the master. He is do you the think that's, sensei. Do you think that in our yearbook, Splinter would win the uh, the Han Lu Memorial Mentor Award? He should. I suppose. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> and then the other cool fact is that she was in this series of films called Martial Law. Have you heard of these? Yeah, yeah. And uh, I see China O'Brien on the list, by the way. I still love that title. But, but uh, Chad McQueen was our co-star. And we talked about Chad McQueen, Whoa. Steve McQueen's son, but also yeah. from The Karate Kid. Yep. Crazy. So great, great connections. Yeah, she's connected. You know, she was in the, a legit part of that scene. And one of the only women that were, I don't want to say allowed, but like given the opportunity to step in front of the camera and actually do more than just take a fall or a hit, right? Like was was a for a time bankable and developed into being a star. And you know what I'm saying? Like force was put behind her to become more than just an extra or anything like that. But I just, I mean, man, I wish there were just like five or six or 10 more of her the way we had so many of these guys during the time. Like we had, you know, like we were rifling off names earlier, Seagal and so forth. So like, I wish while talking about her, we could be referencing four or five other women at the same time. So definitely trailblazing uh, in that sense 
And I didn't expect this either uh, in the film. I didn't know what I was getting into, right? Like, there's a scene where she kicks the burger out of uh, the <laughs> dude's hand. Um, and and that, that will bring me to my next point. I guess we have to talk about the mom a little bit. But that will bring me to my next point. Why does this film have to be so horny? Oh, dude. Oh, I've been waiting. I oh, I have uh, been waiting. Because she, she's like, literally... She is flirting with Corey Haim, who's a teenager. She's banging the dad, and then she ends up she's banging the partner. Corey Haim is like, you know, horny in the film as well. Like it's just it's like what? Dude, <laughs> Corey Haim is the horniest performance <laughs> I have ever seen outside of an actual porn. This kid is in fucking heat. I have never, dude, like, he is a fucking close talker, he is a pickup <laughs> artist, he is just fucking, the only thing on his mind is sex. He's talking to his dad. Well, I was just, I was just gonna say, he's like, oh yeah, like, what? oh, are you banging her? Like, he doesn't say exactly that, but it's essentially like, oh, come on. And, and she busts in during the first holdup and it's like, you know what, this guy to die a virgin to you? And later he's like, why'd you gotta mention I'm a virgin? Why, why you gotta do that? <laughs> and it's like, who gives a fuck? <laughs> and that's again, people are probably listening now who didn't watch the movie. They're like, is this a high school film, Brian? Like, there's elements of like losing your virginity and things like that. Oh, he does. He he does in the film. And it's like, what? <laughs> and it's out of nowhere. It makes no sense. It he goes to like he goes to live with his mom at one point, and the neighbor is just super hot. And he Gorgeous. gives her a driving lesson. Gives her a driving lesson, and she's like, want to have sex? <laughs> I'm like, what? Uh, honey, uh, we should go. You want to go? Yeah, we should go. Okay, well, wait. Let me make sure that I have everything right first. Oh, that's great. No, go ahead, go ahead. First gear, second, third, and reverse. This is first. And this is second. Third. Wait, you know, I've always wanted to know what's fourth. What's fourth? Yeah, what's fourth? This. <laughs> Are you kidding me? There could be people watching this. No one's watching. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Thanks for the lesson. <laughs> no, thank you for the lesson. Mm -hmm. I got to tell you, third gear, oh, third gear, third gear was major. Great. Yeah. Good. I'm gonna see you again. Maybe. Okay, go. On. Oh, I got the feeling. The thing is, you're not exaggerating. You're not oversimplifying. That is literally what happens. Like the neighbor, at one point, like you said, he shows up at his mom's house. He doesn't know it's his mom. And the neighbor is waiting outside this beautiful young woman with a rabbit. <laughs> yeah, holding a white bunny. <laughs> yeah. And it's just like, okay, wow, a little flirting here. 
randomly they go on this date where he teaches her how to drive stick. They say that, by the way, they say... No, he's scouting the town because he wants to break his dad out of jail. Yeah. So he uses her and the driving lessons to... I get it, I get it, but it does feel a little random. Like, Because like, the mom ends up helping him break the dad out of jail. You would think that he'd be like... Oh, and the and the plan to break that out of jail, by the way, is drive a fucking Mack truck through the wall. So, like, <laughs> yeah. what? But with this girl, whatever, he does the scouting, and, and she's just so into Corey Haim for, like, no reason at this point, where basically she's like, yeah, let's have sex, and they have sex in the car. And then when he tells his dad about it, he's, like, so excited, like, Dad, I'm not a virgin anymore. Guess what? I was great at it. It's like, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> Also, like, no change whatsoever in his demeanor before and after he has sex. Like, you would think that, like, this was the thing, you know? Like, he finally fucking did it. The next time we see him, he's, like, sitting in bed. I'm like, why aren't you, like, going crazy right now? Like, why aren't you out of your fucking mind that you finally had sex, this thing you always wanted? It just felt so, like... Once it was done, it felt like they just completely forgot about it. I don't know. I mean, he does tell his dad, but I just felt like, you know, he should have been more. There should have been more, I don't know, something about his performance after that. Like, he doesn't change. It should change him. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I'm asking way too much in this movie because the only thing it needs is that damn bridge stunt. So whenever we get to that part... I'm really going to perk up. This is exactly what you said, though, Mike. This is a movie of parts. We're spending so much time here because if we were to walk scene by scene in this movie, we really couldn't because, it's, again, it's not it's not That's that funny. long. There's three or four bank robberies that are the same. You know, we'll talk about the stunts, but before that, I do want to... Fair, fair. I do want to bring up Marsha Strassman as the mom in this. Um, were you familiar with her? Because I actually was. No, uh, sad to say I was not familiar with her, but is that the damn mom from Honey, I Shrunk the Kids? She is the mom in Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. So there you go. That's one credit. I knew her from there. Another place I knew her from, though, was, you know I'm a big sitcom guy. And when I I was young, because they aired them a lot on, um, I think it was MSG, believe it or not, like during the day. Or the Metro Channel. We had a channel called the Metro Channel. Do you remember that? I think so. Like, there was a couple, like, local cable channels, and they would Mm -hmm. air sitcoms. And one of them was Welcome Back, Cotter, which I became a big fan of Welcome Back, Cotter. Mr. Cotter. Of course, John Travolta got his start there, but... Who? What? (laughs) Where? That was... (laughs) That was his deal, Barbarino. Vinny Barbarino. We got Epstein. Horshack. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Freddie Boom Boom Washington, you know. Hi there. (laughs) And then Epstein would be like, Mr. Kata, I got a note from my mom. (laughs) Juan Epstein, you know. uh, Good New York show. I don't know if it holds up today. I say that, and I was watching it as a kid, not in the 70s. Regardless, Welcome Back, Cotter. (laughs) Welcome Back, Cotter was always weird because it ended with Cotter talking about his day with his wife mm-hmm. and this she was his wife no way julia you Cotter. Know, i always remember watching that show feeling very concerned for that actor because i was like that is the skinniest person i've ever seen in my entire <laughs> life <laughs> and she wore these big giant sort of circle glasses so it just made her look smaller do you remember her like being like I'm not saying it's good or bad or whatever. I'm just saying, like, as a kid, I remember going, like, well, even Gabe 
Kaplan who played Cotter, right? That was his name. Yeah. Like even he was like, I was like, that guy's like super skinny. Like, what is going well, dude, on? Dude, on if you show? watch it though from the seventies, like maybe that's it. We didn't, they didn't eat like we eat, you know. <laughs> like, yeah, I guess you got that's the yeah. I guess you got a point there. That that was always weird to me in the show that like you'd have an entire episode, we'd watch it, and then suddenly he'd go home to just explain it the episode in like thirty seconds to his wife. <laughs> I'm like, is she getting paid every week to just? do this scene it was well, just weird to me i think she ended up being in more more and more episodes and i think maybe i think i i don't think she was she wasn't even on the entire run if my memory serves but i haven't watched every episode so oh i would love to just like be paid to watch welcome back cotter and the white shadow and like 70s well that's TV. the thing man like th- there's a whole other version of this show that is television Instead of movies, you know, High School Slumber Party, the TV show, Chronicles. Uh, <laughs> then then I, I would really need to be paid because I would be doing this forever. That's sort of the dream. And I guess that's the deal whenever you get bought out is like, you know, <laughs> I also want to do the TV version. So pay me for that. <laughs> yes. Who has ever out there pay me? I don't have a Patreon, but you can send the money to me directly. <laughs> yeah. If any like of the big networks are listening, you know. We're for sale, right? I think. <laughs> I, I don't know. You are a co-founder. That's the dream. The dream is, you know, someone come along and buy our entire catalog and pay us to keep going. Like, that's the dream. <laughs> like, I want Third Time's a Charm to be daily. No, I want to quit that and do something <laughs> better. <laughs> no, that's all we want, Third Time's a Charm. I'm, like, literally keeping that going. And you could keep this in, but I'm keeping that going just to have, like, a show that I do on my own so I'm not like just on everyone else's shows or have a co-host thing, you know, like I really, for some reason means something to me. Then I have, like, even if it's just that, I don't care. Hey, Hey, the wildly successful monsters that made us, you were a part yes, of. Yes. I couldn't ask for anything more than that, really. But you do because you are still as last time I checked the co-host of cage club, the flagship. Yes. The titular show. Right? Ke- Keanu yeah. club. Yeah, yeah, I got a lot. There's, Watch the throne. Yeah, and the stuff Joey and I does is it, Joey and I do does did the stuff we do is cracking every time. I love it. You know, I'm not complaining. Don't get me wrong. It's just you have you, know, you have more access to the Godfather than anyone. You, you know, you yeah. might as well be Tom Hagen. <laughs> well, it's better than it's better than being Fredo. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I always laugh at the Fredo thing because like. That probably is the most insulting thing that anyone could say about anyone. If someone, if you heard, if you heard that, like me and like uh, me and Joey and Joe were talking, and we're like, "Oh yeah, Mike's the real Fredo of the network." Like, wouldn't you be so hurt? <laughs> so Brian, we could maybe, you know, if we ever get one of our dream projects off the ground, we can have the Fredo Award. Oh, we should. <laughs> oh yeah, great idea. The Fredo Award is amazing. <laughs> I love Fredo. I, I love that character. Anyway, anyway, anyway. I'm not dumb. I'm smart. <laughs> Again, just to say, like, oh, yeah. Like, you come from a big family, Mike. Like, if someone's like... Yeah, yeah. If, like, you heard, like, one of your brothers, like, oh, yeah, Mike's, oh. Be- Mike's being a real Fredo. Wouldn't that be the most insulting thing they could say? Definitely. <laughs> Especially, I grew up Italian-American with two of the brothers. I've met a lot of your family, but I, I think was it your oldest brother who came to one of your parties? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He he feels really like he felt really Italian. 
<laughs> I mean, he bleeds olive oil, I guess you could say. Yeah, you know, he he, he loves the culture. He He's actually the sort of like the family historian, too, and like traced back all that stuff on that side from my father. So maybe we should uh, guest him on on Dream Project. Let, oh, let... man, he would love Dream Project. <laughs> he, he used to make his own wine, so he'd be double. Oh, oh, I love it. I love it. Anyway. <laughs> back to the, back to our our current dream project talking about Corey Corey Haim and Corey Feldman films. All right, Mike, let's talk about your favorite stunts in the movie. Oh, well, like let's just talk about the bridge stunt. Let's just talk about the bridge, please. Like Wait, wait, the bridge? You mean Billy Joel's album from Let me see. The bridge <laughs> album. I like 52nd Street a little Ooh, a little nice more. deep cut. The bridge, I just okay, 1986 the bridge. Anyway, sorry, continue. <laughs> Uh, but like on one of their fast getaways, they think they're in the clear and they come to like this incredibly like anxiety fueled bridge sequence for me. And I'm like, oh, all they have to do is cross this insanely high one way bridge and go 10 miles. And I like that is going to make me throw up just by watching that uh, because it got my nerves wrecked. But they get blocked in on both sides by the police. It's a it's a blockade. And I guess this is where your Corey quick thinking sort of like smart smarty pants comes in into play. Like we failed to mention that he's dressed as a woman because as a hostage, I guess they like to switch it up sometimes. So he dresses in drag and uh, which, by the way, by the way, let's talk about this really quickly. Okay, yeah, might as well. Makes no sense to me. Like, why does he have to be a woman in this one? Because so like the guy is kind of into him, which. No, it's supposed to be funny. Okay, hey. for the movie, yes, and I guess it's yeah. to make it different than other bank robbing scenes, but there's like no reason he should be dressed as a woman. He doesn't play convincing woman. And no. then and then he cuz he's like the same, right? Yeah. He looks exactly the same. He walks in to this post office or whatever as the hostage and the guy starts hitting on what is supposed to be a 16-year-old Corey Haim even though he's in drag. Like, it just doesn't check out. No, because even if he was a real 16-year-old girl, like this post office guy, clearly in his late 20s, is still hitting on her. (laughs) (laughs) Not good. Yeah, it is baffling. I have no idea why, like, plan-wise, they went with this. And I got this sinking feeling in my stomach when the scene started and he gets in the car and his dad sort of like forcing him to shave and all this kind of thing. I was like, this is the kind of stuff you dread when you're like doing student films and stuff. I remember this happening where it's like, well, it's written and we don't really have time to change it. So we got to shoot it somehow, even if it's not going to make a lot of sense. Like we dug our bed, like now we got to lay in it and sort of cover ourselves up with the dirt. And just suffocate for a while. (laughs) So, like, I I don't know. It kind of felt like that where it's like, oh, I think they also knew, like, this maybe isn't going to play. But what else can we do? We got to do something else. Like, let's just let's just do it. Yeah, I don't know. Whatever. But it does lead to (laughs) it does lead to an insane stunt. So sorry to cut you off. No, I think you know what? Now that I'm thinking about it, this might be some brilliant reverse engineering. Well, maybe not. Brilliant. This might just be some reverse engineering to get him in. <laughs> to get him in drag might be a way to cover up the other stunt double for oh. the bridge sequence. So him and his dad are halfway through the bridge, and they see like 
building equipment, like bridge equipment, and there's a, a wench and like these ropes. So he puts on these belts and like yeah, the cops are in hot pursuit at this point. And they put on the belts and they wench themselves up and he hooks himself up to the wires and stuff. And his dad is like gonna shit his pants because he's scared out of his mind. But Corey is just like, hey, yeah, we're gonna do this. We could do this. He's like, it's like that Morpheus Neo scene in the Matrix early on where Morpheus is like, I want you to like go to the top of the building. And Neo's like, screw this. Like it's that sequence almost, except they actually get over the side of the bridge and they very slowly lower themselves all the way down from the bridge to the bottom where there's like the river. fucking high this is because at one point the cops crash into the mechanism and it makes them free fall and they're falling for like a fucking minute and it is insane and it is so i've never seen anything like this before or since it is wild yeah i don't i couldn't find where that exact bridge was i don't know because it's a beautiful canyon gorgeous the stunt is great the only thing i'll knock on the stunt is that like when they fall in the water, it's very clearly shallow water, like when they cut, oh. cut back to the actors. <laughs> well, when they cut back to Corey and his dad, like it's obvious they're just hanging like three feet off the side of a cliff somewhere, you know, because they're so much closer to the side of the cliff than the actual stunt people because they got like this helicopter shot that does this, you know, almost a complete 360, and you just see them dangling like why are they doing this <laughs> like thank you people for entertaining me but like you know someone call the corridor crew and send this clip into their stuntman react thing because it is fucking legendary clip yeah it's like cliffhanger-esque it's like whoa like edge of your seat and then again when it goes to the actors it's not <laughs> but it, i didn't lose any of the impact because i was so just stunned oh i agree I was, because i was like wait in this movie you're gonna do this in this movie? It like, didn't. It not didn't matter. Do this in a better movie or anything? Like it just—I don't know though, because like I lost track of how to process stuff for a minute because I was just like all of a sudden, the va- like the production value of this movie went from like zero to sixty. You know, talk about Fast and Furious. Like this thing just fucking skyrocketed out of nowhere. You know, and it's like one of those moments where you just witness something out of the blue, and it's just, like I—I'd seen this movie so many times, I completely. I mean, almost 30 years ago, how am I going to remember everything? But like, I was, I was so 
mad at myself for not remembering this stunt. I was so mad at myself. I was so embarrassed. I just talking about it does not do it justice. It's on YouTube. So go check it out. No, absolutely. And again, I I almost mentioned the actors and not in a way to insult the film, but in a way to be like the stunts supersede the film, right? Like the physical yeah. stunt that's going on is uh, on par in theory. Like again, it's still many many years before they could do this and probably a lot lower of a budget, but they're existing in another universe than the Corey and his dad acting. Yeah. So when they cut back to it, like again, when he drops in the river, it's very clear he could stand in whatever river he's dropping in, you know? <laughs> and if you fall from the length that they fell, you'd be dead. So uh, doing a little bit of Google research as we talk, it's the Royal Gorge Bridge that they jump off of. It's actually in Colorado. Okay. Um, Royal Gorge Bridge, Colorado. Look it up, guys. It is intense. It is insane. It was the highest bridge in the world from 1929 to 2001, before China built another bridge to surpass it. But they do this stunt off the highest bridge in the world. Just think about that. That's the gimmick of the whole movie, you know? That's the calling card right there. Like, this is his... You know, watch this and call me tomorrow. Let me know what you think. You know, what do you, I'm sure you'll have one or two things for me to direct. Mind blowing. Mind blowing. And it, I mean, there's other great stunts in the film. This is the big one. But there's other great stunts in the film. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I just needed to get this out of me. You know, I just needed the audience to like hear it. If you can hear it in my voice. And yeah, I don't think they actually drop these guys in the water or they'd be dead. So <laughs> I think that's why they cut. Because at one point, the cops start to like pull them up and then they cut their line and stuff. So I think some of that might be mocked a little bit because, yeah, I don't think those guys could do that fall. There had to be pads or something under there. As a sequence, like this needs to be seen. <laughs> that's all I'll say. And I'll shut up about it. Especially because it's in a VHS movie in the 90s, a Corey Haim movie that almost... I, I mean, you said it was on HBO, and I think that's great, but I could imagine a lot of people did not see this movie. And, and, and the impact is probably enhanced because of, of that, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not trying to rag too much on the rest of the film or anything, but there might be some kind of latent genius about it where it's so sort of sleepy that at points it just slaps you in the face and wakes you up for 10 minutes and then it like you go back to bed and then it's like wake up stunt time i actually had that experience i was watching this on the su <laughs> on the subway on the way to work and i don't know how i was holding my phone and still asleep it felt like i blinked and i missed the virginity scene and i had to go back like i missed him losing his virginity <laughs> i was like i i was at him teaching her how to drive stick and then i blinked and i was at him telling his dad he had sex and i was like what wow and i must have just dozed off for a good 10 minutes while holding my screen on the subway only in new york right <laughs> i love it i want to see the person that was watching the virginity scene <laughs> like leaning over dude so i watch a lot of these films on the subway now oh i love hearing that that's awesome it just it's a way to pass the time right if like i'm done with podcasts like uh and i watch a lot of these movies to be on a lot of podcasts so sometimes i have to squeeze them in that way regardless what was i watching the other day 
where like there was a kid next to me and I'm like, I have to shut this off because it was like a full on sex scene. <laughs> I forgot what it was for. Maybe it was a too fast thing or. Well, there's not a lot of sex in those movies, so. No, no, no. I, maybe like a. What's oh, a movie for maybe a lap or something. Yeah, a lap or something or gotcha. like a Patreon thing. I forgot what it was, but it was like, whoa, okay. <laughs> but it is funny because whenever you're watching something, people will always look over your shoulder and be like, what's he watching? I do it too, admittedly. I don't like look at people's bank account numbers, but if, it, you know, we're podcasters. If we see someone watching something, we kind of want to know what they're seeing, right? <laughs> so I guess. I don't know. I don't ride the subway, so I can't tell you. Just watch out for uh, the bonfires and the stabbings and push in front of stuff so yes i'll watch out for that but think about it if you're in a train car with it's like 10 cars each car could fit like a hundred people probably more i'm just like guesstimating right uh-huh. you're in there for 40 minutes someone's watching something you're not going to look over once yeah i might yeah i do it on airplanes so you're probably right it's just like a thing that humans probably do right it's just what's over there oh okay like, what's that guy reacting to? What's he laughing about, you know? I guarantee I'm the only one watching Corey Haim VHS movies on the subway. In a dress, jumping off a tallest <laughs> bridge. If I, like, accidentally, not so accidentally, looked over at the person next to me, and they were watching a Corey Haim film, I would say something. Yeah. Want to be friends? I'd be like, <laughs> boy, do we have a podcast for you. Oh, yeah, the epic tagline for the... Yeah, love it. Any other uh, scenes or moments you want to talk about in the film? Yeah, so there's two other stunt sequences, or two or three, but like there's that really fun one in the first getaway where they're sort of going through like the farmland and stuff, and they're going, that's sort of the downhill stuff, and they're crashing through barns and everything. That happened, right? I didn't take notes, so I'm just trying to go off memory this time around. That feels like, the, yeah, that happened. I'm pretty sure that happened. <laughs> uh but but uh, my other favorite moment is at the very end when there's the car chase and Corey's kidnapped and the bad guys come back and screw everything up and mom and dad have to chase them down. And uh, he is hanging off the back of a pickup truck off of a chain link fence and being dragged around like he's some kind of Spider-Man or something. Wow. It was so fast and furious. And his, finger, oh, yeah. his fingers are bleeding. Oh, that was such a great detail. Like, that was really well thought out. That looked extremely dangerous. Again, something, you know, that just very, very much a reason to kind of, I don't know. That That's a big point of this movie is like, you know, that's a very good stunt, I thought. And it ends with a spectacular explosion, you know, where they, not only do they crash that car down the valley or whatever, but like, it looks like they crashed two or three other cars before that might not have exploded or something. Like, did you notice that? That after... Yeah. That there were like there were other car parts down there. Maybe it's a famous place to crash your car as like a stunt driver. I noticed that yeah. in a movie or something. But yeah, I thought that was kind of kind of funny. Like the convertible being like uh, or like de facto convertible, right? Like the guy driving. Oh, that was great. Yeah, where he gets the top of the car sliced off yeah. because he goes under the other thing. That was super cool. Uh, in my notes, this is what I have that I wanted to mention. Uh, just going right. back and forth. How anti-Japanese car the dad is. It's like, but you know why? You remember why, right? It's all his wife drove. It's all his it's wife a- drove. Yeah, you're right. So we have that. Um, I love how his dad's dream, despite keeping Corey Haim out of high school, 
his dad's dream is to get him in high school, get him in college, so that he could work on Wall Street where, in quotes, the best criminals work. Which I'm not going to disagree. I'm just saying it's like an interesting like logic. Well, it's also funny at this time he thinks he needs to go through all that and not just look up Jordan Belfort or something and, and go through <laughs> these penny stocks and just get that script down. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. And okay, we'll talk about like the mom thing. So you mentioned the dad basically ran off with him when he was four years old because he believed the mom had singing talent. Yeah. He didn't want to like drag her down with a kid. But like and, and she's like, Why'd you take him from me? But like if your dad took you from your mother at four years old. Don't you think your mother would have something to say about it? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Right? So, so at the same time, I'm like, you didn't call the cops or be like, hey, my son was stolen well, from me? Good point. You know, yeah. like that. Well, I, w- I was confused about that. They were both criminals. They were both criminals, right? At the time. And I get it. She seemed super nonchalant about losing her son for most of his life. Yeah. She kept his picture around right she like kept pictures of him he's like who's this kid (laughs) well which okay that's so stupid of the movie to me like as soon as i saw her i'm like that's his mom right like was there any mystery like there was like oh my god like that's the mom he's like mom's dead right oh no she's not (laughs) yeah i mean she never even like sheds a tear in happiness or remorse or anything right like she's just like you can stay with me for a while till we figure out what to do. There's a room. You can sit in that chair. It's just like so there's no emotion in a lot of this movie, you know? I don't know how else to really explain that, but like everybody is just not reacting properly to certain things like this is my son I haven't seen in a decade uh, that was taken from me and like she's not like sobbing like crazy when she gets him home and telling him everything like yeah she's more that's like that's how hey, i would have wrote it <laughs> let me keep up with the ruse why <laughs> but like, oh my god you're home or oh my god i found you your dad yeah, stole like, you from me like, eh, let's just see right, where this goes like let me sit you down and tell you something about your father and like we were married there was a child this and that you are that child like you know I don't crazy, know. Crazy, crazy. Instead, he needs to get laid. Like, it's just so weird. Like, the movie's more concerned with him getting laid <laughs> finding out who his real mother is. <laughs> it just, it, it gives me, like, agitation. Like, I don't, I don't like that. And the other thing I just wanted to mention, uh, you already talked about, again, that final scene. And it is cool. But there were elements to it that were not as cool as the bridge scene. Oh, of course not. That's the showstopper. How can I put it? Like, while the actual action is awesome, if you think about what's happening, it's ridiculous. So, yeah, uh, we didn't mention, but Cynthia, what's her name? Cynthia Rothrock. Yeah. Cynthia Rothrock and Ken Lerner, the two other people on the team, they split up and they're banging a bunch. But then, like, he keeps wanting to get some. And that's where she karate kicks the hamburger out of him. And he becomes such a caricature. But whatever. Like, their plan ends up being... Kidnap Corey Haim, get ideas from him that they couldn't figure out, even though it's the same fucking shit the entire time. <laughs> you know what I mean? He goes along with it, but he doesn't. Like, I'm super confused of, like, what exactly is happening here. They rob a theater, and the Ken Lerner character, like, I'm saying his name like he's famous, but, like, just the other dude in the group is just waiting in the car while this is happening. And, and he might be, like, the getaway car, sure. But shouldn't he be more alert, 
right? Like the dad yeah. just comes up on him with a gun. It's like, oh, whoops, sorry. By the way, I'm banging the other chick. It's like, what's going on right now? Um, he was like just pure comedy, right? But what's even more pure com- comedy to me is they've stripped Looney Tunes-esque dynamite, or they've taped Looney Tunes-esque dynamite to Corey Haim to force him to do this, <laughs> all this stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's it's the Acme Hour at this point. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, it's just It is straight up, straight up Warner <laughs> Brothers. And this ending, this wacky ending, which again, in practice and the fact that they were able to accomplish it is super cool. But if you think about exactly what's happening, it's like, hey, we're going to set up the people who are setting this up. And it's like, we're going to wait with our car here because we know they're going to come on this road and car chase and whatever. It's like a little bit like, what's going on here? You know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, it's super convenient for sure. But that's what happens when you film in like one place that has to be like 10 different places. It's like <laughs> you just get stuck with certain roads and geography and places and it's just you got to make do, I guess. Uh, I don't know. Again, but Brian, it's not even like I'm not even really paying attention to words. And that's the point. Yeah, that's the point. You're not in it for that. Yeah, no, and I just think this final chase stuff is like really well executed and a lot of fun, and it and it ends the movie on a pretty high note. So you know, I like I like that they were maybe finally able to fucking settle on a tone, which is cartoon, which is maybe what they should have done in the first place from the beginning. You know, been even louder and and sort of more exaggerated. I feel like Corey's doing a great job of being like a Daffy Duck or something, but everyone else needs to step up too. He might understand the material the best, right? This is just like a really quick thing, but like, what if the the um, the guy with Cynthia Rothrock, like, what if he was a was like a mute or or deaf or something, right? And like, use sign language, like, just give somebody something, give him a trait, give him a thing, and this movie never really did that, which is all you really just need to do to connect the dots a little bit cleaner, right? Like, that's what I feel. Maybe the transporter was missing as well is that it just was not a clear line between A and B. It's just you went up, down and kind of circled around and then we got to B. And I like it just to be more clear cut. And of course, you mentioned it, but for whatever reason, we get Fast Getaway to 1994. <laughs> He's not in high school. I don't know if we'll cover it again. We might need to just figure out a way to talk about it somehow <laughs> let me think on this part of it let me think on this part of it but uh a lot of people return for this one the dad returns apparently uh cynthia rothrock returns the dude returns so that's wild who the hell knows two picture deal do you think it was that i mean i'm gonna check it out if it's is it the same director no di- then i'll check it. different director unfortunately okay so he went on so he got he got work you know, he they saw the bridge and they're like, come work for us. I looked him up again, the director. And you know what another film he directed was? Lay it on me. Class of 1999, part two. Oh, The Substitute. That's a, ah, we got to do it. We could do that on my show because it goes class of 1984, class of 1999, and class of 99, part two. Who, who are we talking about? Was it Galen or Austin? That we were bringing this. One of them, I think, knows about this movie as well. I I can't remember, but probably yes. both. You know what? Like I don't. <laughs> Galen Howard, by the way. By the way, congratulations. 
Mr. Boba Fett. He might he might be too big for high school slumber party at this point. I'm not sure. <laughs> but wouldn't it be honestly? We should do maybe it's for class in 1999 because we haven't done it yet. Maybe it's for something else. But I would love a Galen Howard, Austin Wolf Southern episode. Oh, oh my gosh the uh, the episode would like implode on itself. Bro. <laughs> it would be like like bro. a lot of like a lot of movies <laughs> of this era. So <laughs> I would love that too. That would be awesome. So I got to think about that. But yeah, so this dude he he tried his hand in directing, but again, his fucking. His, he's a fucking legend, this guy. Come on. He's so important to this podcast network. It's insane. His bread and butter is this stunt stuff. So it looks yeah. like, again, it looks like he was just a stunt man who went to become a stunt coordinator. That, that's great. I mean, things things happen like that. Like uh, the director of John Wick was Keanu's stunt man, stunt double, was a stunt coordinator. I mean, the guy... They did the the Deadpool movies and stuff. Like it's a thing. Anything else you want to talk about with Fast Getaway, or should we get to our awards? So the only thing I wanted to talk about with this is as I'm watching the movie, and I didn't know there was a stunt coordinator directing it. Yeah, I love that. But like I'm watching the movie, going like, you know, as much as I love Corey, I wish they got a stunt kid. Like I wish they had like a Taylor Lautner of his day because you know, Taylor Lautner like in shark boy and lava girl did like 90% of his own stunts. Cause he was a gymnast and a martial artist. And so Robert Rodriguez like basically hired him because his auditions was like freestanding flips and backflips and all that kind of shit. And he was just like a little boy. So like, if we had a kid like that here, this movie would be insane. Like remake it with Tom Holland, before he was spider-man before we all knew he was a stunt man as well and did all of his own spidey stunts like let him do cut his teeth on a thing like this or if like this was it was like uncharted or something like <laughs> um that's all i was thinking is like man i wish Corey could sort of do a flip or throw a punch or, or be more active in the stunt stuff because that's just the one place where the in-between things might have beefed up a lot more easily is if we got a like an Ernie Rays Jr. in the role, you know, like a guy like that or someone on that level, right? So that that was pretty much my final note. I also just really wanted to mention Taylor Lautner. We're never, we're never going to be upset about that on this podcast, so. I didn't think so. <laughs> All right, then let's get to our awards. Mike, who was the movie Fast Getaway made for? Oh, geez. I mean, this was made for the director to try and get more work. You know, this is his sizzle reel. He made this for himself in the hopes that he would be able to probably become a professional stunt coordinator for the rest of his life on the biggest action movies in the world. And he did. So <laughs> mission accomplished. I can't disagree. That's actually a really good answer. Okay. Most likely to succeed. Which character won this movie? Mm. Okay. Ah, uh, oh boy. There's an answer I want to say. I'm just afraid it's going to be like a rude answer or something like that. Like I want to say the girl honey because she'll never trust another fucking guy like him again. <laughs> the girl he lost his right? virginity to. Exactly. Like he never fucking calls her. He never sees her again. He just fucking dumps her off or whatever. And he goes and then he, now he's in Canada with his parents and never thought of her twice like pick her up on the way do something go back give her flowers talk to her tell her what's going on in a scene give us one scene where it's like i'm a bank robber i can't do this ah, i should have thought of that and like 
I just felt so bad for her. <laughs> Even though she initiated it, like, it doesn't really change anything, you know? Like, he's still a dick. Is that okay to answer like that? Yeah, why not? Honestly, I don't, I, don't I, 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 I have a hard time thinking of characters in this movie. <laughs> so, you know what I mean? Well, I mean, I wouldn't, you know, there are no capital C characters, really. <laughs> <laughs> so, whatever. Wooderson Award. Is there a character who you would have liked to have seen more of? I think the mom, like, okay. we got to introduce her earlier. Like, it would have been cool if she sees them on the news, like, and she gets into her car and starts chasing them, trying to, like, intercept them also, was what I was thinking of. You know, it was like, oh, there's my son. Like, that bastard's still alive. Like, I'm going to get him. And then you have her plus Cynthia Rothrock and the other dude, and there's, like, all kinds of more, you know, vehicular mayhem, possibly. I agree with that. I like her as an actor, but can I get more Cynthia Rothrock? Oh, better call. Yeah, yeah. She's awesome. More of her. She's kicking uh, yeah. people's asses in lingerie. I love it. Yeah, yeah. Better answer. Way to go. Long Duck Dong Award. Is there a character whose omission would make the film better? I mean, I, again, I, I, I hate to double up, but I'm going to give it to Honey. Like, uh, <laughs> just, I love, I love. It? Oh, she won the movie, but let's delete her. But honestly, <laughs> that was my answer. I don't disagree. What is this part? <laughs> It's wish fulfillment. I think he hallucinated the whole thing. <laughs> I don't even think she's a real character. Oh, there in the he movie. is. The classic Manzi theories. Like it had to get out somehow. <laughs> <laughs> Fine by me. Yeah, just the fact that she's just like appears. They have sex. Doesn't matter. <laughs> like it's just yeah, has to be her, honey. I also love the win and lose. Like you can win the movie and you know also don't be in this movie. <laughs> Cameron Fry Award. Is there anyone look too old to be a high schooler? We don't even see high school in this movie. We, it just stars a teenager who... The dad tries to put him in an all-boys school somehow. I don't know what's going on here. <laughs> we can't really have an answer for this. I guess Corey, but no, I don't think so. Whatever. Corey's Corey. It's crazy because he still feels like a kid, even though he doesn't look like a kid. So yeah. I don't know how you explain that. Yeah, just kind of have to dismiss the award because... He's Corey. Corey's being Corey. Simple as that. <laughs> All right, Mike. Manila card, red pen. Let's grade the film. We got to go with our cheat sheet, though. We got to see what other people said. Rotten Tomatoes. No score by critics. Not enough critics have rated this film. Ooh. No score by audience. Not enough audience people have rated this film. Really? It only has one critical review. And zero audience reviews on Rock Tomatoes. I just, I don't use that site. All my shit's on Letterboxd. How is that possible, though? Not one person, <laughs> like, said on on uh, Rotten Tomatoes. Like, good or bad. Good or bad anything. And one critic ever? What did the one critic say? If it's one critic, we might have. I gotta know. It's, is it Ebert? Please be Ebert. It's someone named Dennis Schwartz. And it was in 2015. This disposable, creepy action comedy might be only worth seeing for fans of the late Corey Haim. Like us. No, or, or a bridge stunt. <laughs> Letterboxd, though, we got to count on the nerds in Letterboxd. Mike, off air, you're trying to convince me to join Letterboxd. You made a compelling argument. We'll see. But <laughs> on Letterboxd, 2.7 out of 5. Yeah, actually seems about right. You know, I think, I think you discover this movie and it's part astonishment and part fever dream kind of feel you know it's not like a 
it's not like this is best of the worst. This is bad. Like this is not a good movie, but like it's got incredible stunt sequences in it worth watching. So you got to just kind of suffer the rest. It's foundational if you like Fast and Furious films and other stunt films. And again, I, I oh, I love I love how you elevate this movie, Brian. Every time you just I I'm not meaning to drag it down, but you turn it around and you call it like important and foundational. And <laughs> <laughs> well, look too, like we we keep talking about the Fast and Furious films because it's so important to our network. But like the dude's doing Marvel movies, <laughs> like yeah, 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 yeah. That is literally what our, our film culture is built around these days. I don't care what the Oscars say. Let's be honest. People mm-hmm. go... I say people. You and me go apeshit for Marvel films. Yeah, yeah. So it's not just yeah. people. And the fact that they're trusting this guy to do the stunts in a film like Venom, and that's Sony, I get it, but it's still Marvel. But Captain America Civil War, what some people say yeah. is the best Marvel film. Not my best Marvel film, but some people say it's... A, hey, it's a part three. We'll talk about it soon. Ooh. Love it, love it. We'll we'll bring this guy up again. We'll see, like, have you guys seen Fast Getaway? (laughs) (laughs) So, 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 yeah, I mean, what's your grade, though? What's your final grade on the film? It's complicated. Yeah, it's complicated. But, I mean, you know, I'm judging a movie strictly on the power of, like, one sequence, which just blew my fucking mind. And, you know, I'm giving it a C because, like, that's like a great grade for a movie that is only concerned with stunts and two or three sequences altogether. And it, and it doesn't make up enough of the rest of the movie, you know? Like, there's not, like, there's, like, great balance between the amount of action and the rest of it either. So I really wish this material was in a better film. It's still a lot of fun. I, I love this movie but like i can't in good conscience like give it one of my you know from the heart grades i gotta really do this one like as a like this be start being more strict and stuff so like yeah for for a movie for the only reason to watch it is for like the bridge sequence and in my opinion that that car chase at the end i think a c is a really good grade i uh also gave it a c for the same reasons right like it's probably a d or whatever if it doesn't have these stunts but these stunts, for what we're talking about, elevate this film. So couldn't agree more, Mike. C as well. Let's roll into our next question, sleeping bag. What does your fast getaway sleeping bag look like? Oh, for heaven's sake. I mean, can I just sleep in my car? Is that, <laughs> is that a thing? <laughs> I didn't even know what to say for this one because, like, it's not a very visual movie in, like, a iconography sense right like it's just uh-huh. like a stunt visual movie there's one or two incredible shots because they just happen to be filming near like beautiful scenery like mountain ranges and things like that so but you're right yeah uh, so you're gonna sleep in your car i guess so yeah <laughs> that's kind of a funny answer i like that <laughs> sleep in my car. this is a tough one this is a real tough one Fast getaway. You know what? This is such a cop-out, but the poster for this is nothing like what the movie is. Have you seen the poster for this? Yeah, yeah. It's just like Corey Haim, like sexy Corey Haim in front of like a red background. So that's going to be my sleeping bag because I don't think it describes the movie (laughs) at all. Nice. You're just going to get like a screen print of the poster. Yeah, exactly. Nice. Exactly. All right, Mike. Mm. My favorite question every week. You are in the blockbuster 
that has every movie that has ever existed in the history of space, time, and whatever else. <laughs> we get to the counter and we see a sign that says rent two movies, get one free. I don't know why it surprises me, but it surprises me every time. I say, Mike, we know we're renting Fast Getaway. We know we're watching this. But go to the back, get two of the movies that we're going to watch with this film. What two other movies are we seeing on this Fast Getaway rental triple feature? All right, Brian, I had kind of a tough time with this. Like lately, they've just been sort of like coming to me from, you know, the universe, just speaking out as I'm thinking about it. But this one, I had to do some some thinking of my own. So I think the first movie I'm going to recommend is a movie I only seen this once. I enjoyed it and I'd like to watch it again, especially now that I'm looking at the cast and everything else that's reminding me. A little movie from 2001 called Sugar and Spice. Ooh, we've covered it here. Yes, I know you have. So I wanted to get in a teenage bank robbing film and I thought the teenage cheerleader bank robbing movie was one of the funnier ones. Uh, Love it. So that's my number one pick. And my number two pick is I wanted to do a movie that was sort of maybe if not father and son crime team. How about a father and daughter con artist team? 2003's Matchstick Men. Love it. With none other than a Sir Nicolas Cage. This is a weird thing. Like me and one of my brothers like will always say like the line from the movies. I forgot what the girls are. She says along the lines of like, What's it like being a con man? And Nicholas Cage goes, con artist. Con <laughs> artist. Yeah. I love that line. That is right sort of before he went straight to video. He had a string of amazing, dramatic, theatrical releases. And that was sort of one of them. I think The Weatherman was around that time. Adapta- yes. Adaptation was around that time. Uh, the war, the, the gun war was that Lord of War, maybe? Something like that. Lord of or, War. That to yeah. me, like, uh, hot take, but... Maybe the second prime of Nicolas Cage, right? Like, we know the first prime of Nicolas Cage. Yes. But, like, that string to me, like, from, like, I don't know. Like, I feel like Family Man is early Mm -hmm. in there. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that grouping of Nicolas Cage to me is, like, whoa. Yeah. That's fucking awesome. (laughs) Yeah. He really flexes, man. Because he's done with the action mostly. He's done with the comedy. He's just fucking acting in those movies, you know? It's just great. I'm going to, because we've been talking about it so much... I'm going to do a rental triple feature myself as well. Ooh. And I'm just going to do Venom and what Fast and Furious film should we pick of this, guys? Oh, man. Okay, so which ones did he do? Six through nine he did. Six through nine? I, I'd have to, maybe the guys now, but on six, he's the uncredited stunt coordinator. He's officially the second unit stunt coordinator, okay. but it says uncredited. Okay. So maybe, I don't know. Oh, it's- also... He was also the stunt coordinator uncredited on Fast Five, technically. Wow. So they they must have promoted him. Yeah, yeah. He got bumped up. Which is the one where they jump out of a plane? Is that six or seven? Ooh, can't remember. They blur Uh together. Uh Uh-oh. Hey, it's not our show. I'm doing the best I can. Those those movies. I think that's seven with Cypher. We'll say seven then. That's the one, I think. Because that still, to this day, blows my mind. That I mean, I know there's trickery going on, but they actually dropped cars out of planes in the sky in that movie. So, like, love it. So we'll say seven. Fast seven, uh, Venom, and... Hey, and it rhymes. Fast seven, Venom. I mean, (laughs) it's enough. 
It's enough for Eminem can rhyme it. Sorry, I'm just I'm continuing to go through this guy. No, uh, keep it going, man. I, I, I mean, I'm in one of those state of minds where like I still haven't fully comprehended like the impact that this is gonna have going forward. Like he was like a stunt man on Swordfish, but like stunt coordinator uh, on, tra- on Training Day. Okay. Three Kings, he did stunts on. Right. Like just Face Off, he did stunts on. Oh, there's some cage action. Nice. John Woo, what's that? John Woo, the face-off, yeah, I think so. Because I mean, John Woo is no uh, no slouch when it comes to like I need stunts in my movies. Definitely not. But uh oh, sorry, Mike. Oh no, what? <sighs> taking it all back? No, not taking it back. But he was a stuntman on a film that you and I suffered through. Beverly Hills Cop Three. He was a stuntman on. Ooh. <laughs> Uh, you know what though, I give him credit for trying and to come up with the idea of what the fuck could we do at a amusement park? That would yeah, be he thrilling. was just a stunt man, but still, yeah. Okay, well, if he did the jumps for Axel between the Ferris wheel, or I don't know, <laughs> you know what? I give everybody credit for surviving that shoot. So good on you, man. He did Twenty One Bridges, that film with uh, Chadwick Boseman before he passed. You know. Oh. All right. Bad Boys for Life. Oh, I like I love the Bad Boys movies actually. Kong really Skull Island. So you know I love my fucking Kong. <laughs> so there you go. This dude rocks it with stunts. Guy works. Mike, another uh, Corey film under our belt. We're quickly becoming experts in this very specific genre. <laughs> Thanks so much once again for coming on this uh Corey adventure with me. I feel like this film we learned a lot. Yeah. Very fun episode. So, uh, anything in general you want to plug? I feel like this whole episode is a plug for your podcast. So, say whatever you want. Um, well, I know that, you know, Cage is coming out with a couple things this year. So, be on the lookout for some new episodes with Joey and myself and check out the most recent ones that we've been doing. We keep up with the, with the Cage movies. And every time we record a Cage, we record an Elvis movie podcast. And so we're still doing Viva Pod Vegas once in a while. Uh, but just, yeah, lots of back catalog between Joey and myself with the Keanu Club, the Charlize, the Tom Tom Club, the Cinemakers with all those guests. The Monsters That Made Us with Dan Colon and myself, the last Friday of every month where we look at the history of the Universal Monster movies. That's just been a blast. I'm just having so much fun over there. Uh, the response has just been so great. Thank you, everybody who's listening. And Third Time's a Charm, the first... Uh, the third, uh, the fucking, when does it come out? The third of every month is a new episode <laughs> of Third Times of Charm. So uh, I'm currently going to be releasing Transporter 3, where I'm doing the crossover with the Too Fast, Too Forever guys. The first episode is available on their feed, the second on their Patreon. Subscribe to their Patreon, and Brian will send a DVD of a Fast and Furious movie of your choosing to Joey to sign and then send to you. Did I get that right? You got that right. I don't know if anyone's done it yet. I'm not sure, but definitely, definitely do that. I put a challenge out there to fast listeners. Haven't said it on uh, High School Slumberboard. I don't know even know when this episode's coming out. And at this point, <laughs> there might be a hundred people who did this offer. Who knows? Or or, or the offer might be uh, invalid at this time. <laughs> Could be over. Oh, we'll extend it then. If you hear it on this episode and it was too Ooh. late. I'll do you one better. Not only will Joey Lewandowski sign a Fast and Furious film, 
Mike Manzi will sign a third film of any franchise DVD, <laughs> and, and we will send it to you. So, <laughs> what did I get myself in? <laughs> you just got to sign a DVD. Whatever. I know. I know. I'm just it's funny. <laughs> Whoever listens to this now and is like, "Hmm, I'm going to be a pa- a patron of Too Fast Too Forever for for whatever reason." If you do it and you mention that you heard this promotion on the Fast Getaway episode of High School Slumber Party, you will get two DVDs. Any Fast and Furious movie signed by Joey Lewandowski and any third of a franchise signed by Mike Manzi. So, Amazing. so there you go. <laughs> well, Mike, thanks so much. we got a couple more Corey films to talk this year. So looking forward to that. Me too, Brian. Honestly, I've just been having a blast, so thank you so much. Thanks for having me back, and I can't wait to do this again. I don't know why this year has been more enjoyable than last year, but... I don't, I don't know either. I don't know. Maybe by the end we'll be able to put our finger on something, but it's just a just in a whole different mood for some reason. <laughs> we're still in a pandemic, but maybe we were like deeper in the pandemic last year, and we were... Things were weird, but I don't know. They're still they're still pretty fucking weird, man. The earth is fucked up. <laughs> Maybe we're just so desensitized now that I think that's it. Like like everything's kind of a joke at this point, right? So <laughs> <laughs> on that note, thanks, Mike. Big thank you to Mike Manzi. As always, that was awesome. Fast getaway. So you might be wondering, what's the next Corey Haim film? Well, we gotta take a little bit of a break from that because we have some other business to attend to unofficially you might see some things pop up in the feed not going to promo them here because i kind of want them to be a surprise officially our next episode and that's going to drop soon too before the end of the month because i promised you for our senior year we would do class reunion films every month the month is almost over so we're going to get this in and this is a good one we're going to talk the film and this is your homework watch it Young adult. Welcome to Hampton Inn. Do you have a reservation? No. Is that a dog in your bag? No. We actually allow small pets with a cleaning deposit. Good, because I have a small dog in my vehicle. What are you doing back in Mercury? Or you move back or? Of course not, gross. Here's the deal. Buddy Slade and I are meant to be together, and I'm here to get him back. I'm, I'm pretty sure he's married with a kid on the way. Nope, kid's here. I'm cool with it. I mean, I've got baggage, too. I would keep all of this to yourself. I would I would find a therapist. <laughs> that new baby of his is just darling. Have you seen it? Up close? Shot. You know what? Oh my god. She's an old time ambassador. God, you are a piece of work. Can I help you find something? I'm going to a rock concert with an old flame. Let's show him what he's been missing. No, he's seen me recently, he knows. But his wife hasn't seen me in a while, so. You can come to the city with me like we always planned. Mavis, I'm a married man. We can beat this thing together. (sighs) So once again, our class reunion series, we're 
looking at films that aren't high school films, but about characters who go back to their hometown, maybe attend a reunion, maybe not, but people who are really looking at, you know, what their high school life was like from adult perspective and young adult Charlize Theron or Theron, because we have a podcast on this network, Watch the Theron, hosted by Joey Lewandowski and Mike Mancy, by the way, FYI. They covered it, but we're going to cover it too. She's amazing in this. She's great. And our guests are great as well. Dan Colon from The Monsters That Made Us. We mentioned him today. And John Brooks. They've both been on the podcast. They've both been on a reunion series. So definitely, definitely check that episode out. And remember, guys, life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop looking around once in a while, you could miss it. Let's see. Another song off this fast getaway soundtrack. Oh, I know this one. Billy Idol. Eyes Without a Face. I don't think it's on the official soundtrack, but it was certainly in the movie. Thanks for listening, as always. Thanks for bearing with me. Like I said, you will be rewarded with a lot of stuff to listen to in the coming weeks. Thank you, thank you, thank you once again, and uh, I don't know. Later, dudes. Go.